Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Own a business? Want to become a sponsor of the show and get your business heard by potentially thousands of people worldwide? Get in touch with us via our messenger on Facebook or email at AustralianUFOSightings at Outlook.com.au. G'day folks and welcome to another episode of Encounters Down Under. On this episode we have Lance joining us who has witnessed some strange crafts over the years along with an incredibly unexplained experience while surfing. And to top it off he talks about his involvement in the research networks of the UFO phenomena with the Australian UFO organisations. So please welcome to the show, Lance. Welcome to the show there Lance, thanks for coming to the show mate. Yeah, hi Anthony, how are you going? Going good, mate. Going good. Mate, thanks for getting in touch with me to come on the show there, mate. Absolutely great having you on here and getting in touch. Um, now, you've had a fair few experiences yourself, and um, you want to tell us about your experiences there, mate? Okay. Well, um, I'll start with something that's not actually a UFO sighting, and there'll be a few things that I will bring up over the course of this uh, podcast that's, you know, not a direct sighting as such, but it all ties into the story. And the first story of relevance was um, surfing down at a place called Coldale, just south of Sydney. And cut a long story short, I was out, stayed out too long. It was a huge cyclone swell. I was about 17 years old. And I uh, stayed out the longest because I, I wanted to let everyone else get in, basically. So, yeah, you take this wave. And next minute, I'm stuck out there in the pitch black. I could, couldn't even see the waves sort of coming. And luckily, I caught a wave and I cut in close to this headland, a place called Tomo's. And um, I've accidentally, because it was so dark, drew in a straight line into the actual tip of the headland. And when I could actually see the headland, I was in a very bad position. Let's face, let's say um, probably 10 metres from actually running directly into the headland, I dove off my surfboard and because it was shallow and rocky, I did a shallow dive and this huge big wave just picked me up like a pebble and threw me to the base of the headland. And I just had time to think and I could see the, this sheer rock face, at least 10 foot, maybe 15 foot vertical, just with barnacle encrusted uh, rock face. And I was going to actually hit right at the bottom of this rock face. And I just had time to think, okay, I have to cover up my head. I'm going to smash every bone in my body, but I have to keep conscious or I'm dead. And that's about all I had time to think. And then I didn't actually hit the rocks, which to this day I, I still can't figure out why. 
but um, and then and then if you can imagine probably 15 foot ball of white water like a huge big powerful cyclone swell wave it was you know the way they smash into the headland and shoot water 100 foot high well that's that was the situation I was in and um, then the strangest thing happened I was taken and gently put on top of the headland and in a sitting position and put down that softly it was like I I'd compare it to a feather being dropped on the ground. I couldn't even feel the impact. I was just gently placed on the on the headland, and then looking around, going, "What? How did this happen?" And then, bang! The surfboard lands down directly next to me, and that made a huge sound. And there was one guy on the headland fishing, and he's turned around and gone, "Where did you come from?" And then I've pointed, at least 30, 40 foot away. I said, "Over there," and he just said, "Impossible." And I've just got up, took my leg rope off, I walked over to the headland and looked down and I stood there for half an hour watching waves smash into this headland and it was just mathematically impossible how I could have possibly got up there. And anyway, that's enough of that, but that's that story. It's like I could, couldn't understand why I was saved, how I was saved. It was like an invisible hand plucked me out of the ocean and gently put me on top of the headland. But with the progression of time, that, that was, like I said, I was 17. Well, I'm 57 now, so it was exactly 40 years ago, and now I understand why I was saved. So anyway, moving on. Now, what your viewers do like to hear about is UFO sightings, and my first good UFO sighting happened in 1986, and that was the first night you could see Halley's Comet. It was all over the news back then. So I got a bunch of mates together. We were living at uh, Beverly Hills at the time. And one of them was an astronomer. He had all the big telescopes. So I had a set of binoculars because they were advising um, binoculars was the best way to see Halley's. And there was, I think, four or five of us. We all went, oh, I actually recommended, let's go to a place called Oak Park at Cronulla. Because I thought, oh, it would be nice and dark there to try and get a little bit away from the city lights. Anyway, we get to Oak Park, we walk over. I was expecting to see a lot of people there, you know, out look, looking at Haley's Comet, but there was nobody there. And as soon as we got over the, the crest of the hill and could see the ocean, here's this huge, big, round, what well, was a craft. And um, to give you an idea of the size of it, it would have been like looking at a, a full moon in the sky, not when the full moon first comes up over the ocean, that can be quite large, but like when it's at 12 o'clock, about that size, probably the size of a 20 cent piece if held at arm's length. And we all started screaming, Haley's Comet, Haley's Comet, this is amazing, because we actually thought it was Haley's Comet at the start, and the astronomer said, no, that's not Haley's Comet. And that poor fellow looked like he'd seen a ghost. His just mouth was agape, and he didn't say much all night, but... We, we saw this, we witnessed this craft hovering over the ocean because you could actually, it was, it was giving off this light. It was the, the actual sphere itself wasn't giving off light, but there was, if you could imagine like a rack of pool balls, I don't know how many, but it was a perfect triangle, like a perfect rack of pool balls, but each ball glowed orange. And it started off where you could barely see these orange balls and then they progressively get brighter and brighter until they got that bright 
that they just exploded with this orange light that lit up the clouds above it. And it looked like an atomic explosion because it, it, it gave that shape, that mushroom shape in the clouds that all lit up brilliant orange light. And then it'd all go completely black again. And then these pool balls, it start to illuminate again. And it, if you, you could set your, uh, like a time clock to it, it was, took a few minutes and they, to the where they'd get that bright, they'd erupt in this huge uh, display of orange light and then back down to nothing. And like I said, this went on for close to an hour. It was just incredible. Like I had the binoculars were the best. I tried looking at it through uh, the mate's uh, telescope that you look at the stars with, and it was just, it was too close. But the binoculars, I could make out every little detail on this sphere. And it wasn't perfectly round. There was just, well, it was round, but there was just a few, um, just little shapes coming off it, if you get it, if it's the best way I could describe it. And just before it disappeared, uh, a sphere of light from the north coming across the ocean. And I said to the mates, oh, this will be interesting. It looks like this is the Air Force. And this white ball of light flew directly at the big sphere and didn't slow down or anything and just disappeared into the, the big sphere. And then a couple of minutes later from the south, same elevation from the ocean, same speed, and it did exactly the same thing. It didn't slow down. It just went straight into this big sphere. It did a couple more of the cycles of light illuminating all the clouds. And mind you, this is just off Sydney. Like we weren't the only ones that seen this. And um, it, it, it didn't fly off, it just vanished. Like when it went dim after the big explosion of light, it just went that dark, it was pitch black and it just wasn't there. Uh, driving to school the next, no school, driving to work the next day. Um, I remember listening to the radio and I think it was two triple M and they said, oh, the, the viewers of uh, Halley's Comet got an unexpected bonus with uh, unexplained lights off the coast of Sydney last night. And honestly, we had the best view. It was directly out the front of us. Hard to gauge, you know, when it's sitting out off the ocean, but as an estimate, I'd say probably five to 10 miles off the coast. And yeah, well, that, I better move on because I've got a bit to get through, but that was my first experience. No, you're right. So just on that, um, what do you think the, the purpose of the whole explosion thing was? Like what was that to interpret in itself kind of thing? Like, Well, I, I think that I was looking at the exhaust or something of the, of the craft and it it was just hovering, doing some sort of energy cycle. Well, I don't know, speculation, no idea, to be honest. Yeah, that's really it's strange, like going to a big sort of mushroom cloudy explosion. And oh, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of feet into the sky. Like it was a quite quite the spectacle. Because you couldn't amazing. even see. Yeah, oh, it was. It was incredible. But um, oh, don't worry, I've, I've seen a lot better than that. Yeah, so what, what um, year was that one, roughly? That was 1986, the first night you could see Halley's Comet. So, you know, do any if there was ever any honest investigators out there that wanted to investigate any of the stuff I've got here, like I've got a lot of video footage, or all my stuff can be investigated because I'm not gonna, I'm not going to relate anything where I was by myself, with one exception. Yeah. But there were multiple witnesses with everything I'm going to share with you tonight. Yeah, no, that's that's fine, mate. So uh, what time was, um, year was the uh, 
Kelly's comment going through? Because it's a bit, just a year before my 19, time. 1986. What time of the year, though? Oh, I can't remember, to be honest. No, that's okay. It's just so um, if people can, um, do remember, they can sort of relate to the same sort of moment that when you saw the experience there. Yeah, sure, sure. No, no, like I said, it was on it was on the Sydney radio, so there would have been lots of other people that saw it because it was we didn't report we didn't report it to anybody, but obviously some some people did. Yeah. So there's a, there's a record of it there somewhere. No, that's fair enough. Because Haley's comment went past um, the time went by. That was a few days worth, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was visible for I don't know four or five days, maybe. Yeah. But, um, that we went out the next night just to the to the same sort of area. We actually went to Gary, a place in the Royal National Park, which would have put us a little bit closer to where the craft was the night before. But um, we got there and there was there was nothing. It was all quiet that night. And when we did look at Haley's Comet, it was just a, like they were saying, you know, they might turn the sky red, blah blah blah. Well, it was very uh, unexciting, put it that way. <laughs> You sort of had to look at it out the corner of your eye. If you looked at it straight on, it, you, you could barely see it. Like it, it wasn't nothing uh, compared to all the hype. You know, uh, Haley's comet was a bit of a fizzer in my book. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, fair enough. <laughs> so that's moving good... on. Moving on. Um, Nineteen ninety nine, I think, was the year. Might have been the year two thousand, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was nineteen ninety nine. Uh, went up to Evans Head with a couple of mates. One of the mates actually owned a, or bought a house on the headland at Evans Head. And uh, not long after dark, uh, we observed uh, there was five of them, five orange balls of light. And they came from the ocean and went directly, if you can imagine, we're on the headland of Evans Head and there's a river. We're overlooking a river to the township of Evans Head, which is flat. And these five lights came directly over Evans Head and stopped. And, but that's right, they were doing this really elegant, beautiful dance as they were sort of, that's the only way I can describe it. It was, a, it was a type of a dance they were doing, these five lights. As soon as they got to uh, directly over the top of Evans Head town, they stopped. And as quick as you can click your fingers, these five lights shot out and to the millimetre, they made the, the constellation of the Southern Cross, you know, with the four stars, like in a kite shape. And the fifth one was just that little bit offset, but it was the perfect Southern Cross as you see it in the night sky. It was, it was quite incredible how they did that. And they held that formation for a few minutes and then they slow, slowly, came back together and did this dance and they danced off to the west and disappeared up into the clouds. And you could actually see the clouds turn orange as these five lights just disappeared into the clouds. And yeah, that was pretty cool. But um, probably about 10 o'clock that night, uh, one of the mates actually went to casino to, to catch up with, um, I think it was his auntie. And he just happened to be driving back through the township of Evans Head as these lights came dancing in. And sort of a funny story, a real sort of almost the, the cliche of what happens with the UFOs. And he's in this uh, Toyota Land Cruiser. It was only a year or two old, like 
mechanically perfect. And it just stopped as he's driving along the road. And he's jumped out, lifted the bonnet. And as he was looking to see what the hell stopped his car, a female jogger's come running along and said, are they going to land or what? And my mate looked puzzled and as if to say, what are you talking about? And she just pointed directly up and he said directly above his head with these lights motionless when they were in this Southern Cross formation. And as they danced off, he's jumped back in his car and sure enough, it fired up. And <laughs> when he walked in the door, he's just going, you wouldn't believe what I just seen. We said, what, five orange lights? And he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway, we're talking about that. We stayed up probably, oh, he went to bed about midnight and there was just one mate there, Steve Boatwright. And um, I just got this strange feeling, like I said to Steve, I said, I got this feeling if we just drive up to the headland, we might see something. I thought he was going to say, you're crazy, but he said, no, all right, let's go. He jumped in the car, drove up to the headland, and there's a lookout at the top of the headland looking out to the ocean. And I remember we were just in T-shirts, and it was actually the week between Christmas Eve and New Year. I remember that clearly. And um, yeah, I'm just not sure on the year, but I'm pretty sure it was 1999. And I remember there was a fierce wind blowing and it was actually cold, we're in t-shirts. And I was just thinking, oh, this is a bloody dumb idea. We're not gonna see anything, but I didn't say it. But, and then I saw this, what appeared to be a star. And I said to Steve, I said, check that star out. And he's looked at it closely and he's gone, no, that's just a star. So I didn't say anything, I just kept looking at it. And then I realised it was getting bigger. And I said, Steve, that's getting bigger. And he's gone, yeah, you're right. And this, what appeared to be a star, probably the reason I pointed out is it was an orangey colour. And it's come in a direct straight line from the distant horizon, from the north. So it was almost running parallel to the coast. And this, at the exact elevation of where we were standing on the headland, and it's come at the speed of a of car, like, a good hundred kilometres and kilometres an hour in a direct straight line, like it would have hit our car, but it's got to the the brake wall at Evans Head and done a perfect right angle turn. <clears throat> like I've seen with a lot of others, there's no curve in the turn. It's just a, 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 a an abrupt ninety degree turn, and it's gone shooting up the uh, headland towards where the other ones went a few hours earlier. Um, I just remember my mate Steve freaking out. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flash the headlights at this thing. He's going, no, 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 don't, don't do that, don't do that. So I pulled my shirt off and started waving at this orange ball of light. And it was exactly the same size as the other ones at an estimate, probably, I don't know, three meters uh, diameter. If you were to take a photo of it, which I have before you, they don't come out clear because they don't look clear when you see them. They they look identical to a, a sun when you're looking at pictures that they show of the sun on television, you know, just this golden ball of light with a, a haze around it. And um, so people that say, oh, you know, you, you can't take clear, I mean, you know, you never see a photo of clear UFOs. Well, a lot of the UFOs, that's how they look. They've got this aura around them and, uh, you know, even metallic craft and solid craft that we've taken photos of, the pictures come out 
a lot of times blurry because of some sort of energy field they have around them. We can talk more on that later. Um, okay, moving on from 1999, May 2004. This was my second best sighting. Yeah, so just a question on the uh, your mate there with the um, going through a casino there. What what yeah. time was that? We had that was ten thirty at night, was it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that must have been when we saw it. Like I said, it was uh, being summertime. It doesn't get dark until you know eight thirty nine o'clock, and would have been like an hour after dark. Yeah, because yeah, I'm just trying to think. That's bloody random having a jogger coming through there at that time of night along a random road. Oh, this is in the middle of town. Okay, so oh yeah, okay, getcha. Yeah, yeah, this is in the middle of town. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so, yeah, so it's not no, that no. random, but it's a bit unusual too, having a jogger at ten thirty at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know the precise time. It might have been nine thirty, ten o'clock, ten thirty. I don't know, but um, yeah, that's that's the story related to us. Like he wouldn't. From, from the way he told the story, he wouldn't have even spotted them, only for the jogger pointing up. And he yeah. looked up and they were directly above his head. Yeah, that's right. So how long do you think they were there for? Or did you mention how long they were there for till like, they sort of nicked oh, off? Just a few minutes, maybe five minutes tops. Yeah. They held that formation. Yeah, right. So and were they, they um, talking, like, was he talking to the jogger at the same time, like, sort of observing them, or did you mention any of that, anything like that? Um, no, just, I've just related exactly what he said. Yeah, she okay. said, are they going to land? Are they going to land? And he's obviously had a puzzled look on his face, so she's pointed straight up, and he's looked up, and that's when he spotted them. Yep, yeah, no, that's okay, that's fair enough. So anyway, yeah, we'll go on to your next one there. Next one, yeah, mate, mate, this is around May 2004. And I live on a farm at uh, Taree. Well, I'm not there at the moment, but that's uh, that's where the partner's living still with my children. And um, I, it's always, if you can imagine, it's always pitch black out when I look out the, the back door of my house. There's no house, as you can see. It's just completely flat and pitch black. And this particular night, I saw four lights in a row and the best way I can describe it, it looked like two cars on high beam, like literally butted up together. And that's what I thought it was. I thought, oh, wow, there's two cars out there having some sort of race coming straight towards me. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. No, there's barbed wire fences out there and there's no road. So I called Nina outside and said, Nina, have a look at this. And she came out and we was both standing outside and these four lights came directly straight at us, literally 20 foot off the ground and came directly up to the back of our house. We've got a back shed just down the backyard and this craft, which I didn't know was a craft until it turned directly. And this was just literally just after dark it was it hadn't gone completely dark it was it was like you call the twilight so there's still quite a bit of light in the sky so i could see the perfect shape of this thing and it's gone from uh, flying perfectly flat to banking up on its side perfectly vertical on its side and that's when i saw the shape and it was a perfect diamond with a, a white light in each corner of the diamond and then each light would have been three to four foot 
in diameter, like they were good sized lights. And they were bright enough to actually shine on us. It lit the backyard up. And it did, over the back shed, it did a perfect 90 degree turn and then flattened out again and then elevated to get over the gum trees. That's how low it was. And I said to Nina, I said, did you hear anything? And she said, no, because I, I definitely heard a, a real low humming sound, uh, the strangest sound I've ever heard of, to try and describe it, which is bloody hard. It was like a, a bag full of buzzing bees that crossed between a two-stroke motor of all things that was misfiring. The way I think of it, looking back, is it didn't enjoy flying at such a low speed. Like this thing was only moving at probably 30 kilometres an hour tops. And it was that close, I could have just picked up a tennis ball and thrown it at it and bounced it off it. And, um, and one thing that I found strange was for such a big craft that would have been at least 70 foot long, when it flattened back out that and it was going away from me because I didn't have the four bright lights shining in, in my face like I, I didn't sort of didn't know what it was until it did the big bank turn but as it flew off there was no lights and I could see it clearly and it was very thin for the for the size like 70 foot long diamond but this thing only looked about five or six foot thick like you would have been flat out getting a human being in it and um yeah, very strange, like the thickness of it. But then after researching that sort of stuff, apparently you can get inside them and then they open up into, you know, some huge space, which is, like I said, you can throw out your physics sort of handbook when it comes to these things. They defy all physics. And uh, yeah, so that was, a, <clears throat> that was an amazing, amazing sort of close encounter. Yeah, that would have been mind-boggling. Did you take notes oh, of um, oh. what time it was at all? Like if there's like any counts of missing time maybe? No, no. But um, I've had missing time. And, and on top of that, I was actually flicking through some videotapes on one of those old sort of video cameras where they put the cassettes with the tape in. Yep. And I was looking, looking for a, a, a blank bit of tape to do some taping on. And here's a UFO hovering over our heads in the backyard with me and Nina there. And you can hear Nina on the tape going, well, that's not a plane. And it's just this ball of white light hovering directly over our heads. And then the video cuts out. And I've got absolutely no re recollection of it. And neither does Nina. So that was obviously wiped from our memory banks, but I got it on video. That's well, so, lucky you actually picked it up then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I would have remembered running inside, getting a video camera and pointing it at it, but um, no. Yeah, it's strange no, no too. Like um, usually when people do have accounts of capturing something, they usually wipe all the evidence altogether. Well, I've had that. I'll, I'll get onto that one. I've had a classic <laughs> right. one. I've had a classic one where I had a camera in my hand. And oh, anyway, we'll talk about that one later. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so just after, just after this uh, diamond-shaped craft was literally come up to my back door, um, I, I, was, I was in the 
process of actually starting a, a fossil rock museum and I wanted to do a museum that showed the evolution of life on our planet like I was going to start it off with the meteorite collection I've got and then going through the stromatolites which were like the first uh, fossils of you know like bacteria size stuff up to the trilobites and then through the dinosaur age then through to the mammoth sort of mammal age that we've got now and I've got fossils of dinosaur fossils mates from America who sent me and you know mammoth tusks and all, all this sort of stuff and and some of my best fossils actually came from China because they were the cheapest to buy and I sort of amassed quite a nice collection of Chinese dinosaur eggs and dinosaur bones and reptile plates and and I had my application in with Tari Council to build this mini museum and knock 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 on the door six o'clock in the morning middle of winter and there's three federal police at my door and I said yeah what are you here for and they said we believe you've got Chinese fossils and I said yeah and how do you know that and I said oh you've got a website and I said yeah yeah well it was true I had a a fossil rock website where I was selling a few rocks fossils and crystals and and things to subsidize the building of this museum and anyway they said can we come in and I said well I guess I, I gotta let you in they said yep one one of the federal police had flown specially in from South Australia to raid me and the other two had driven down from Coffs Harbour and Anyway, they, they proceeded to come into their house. They laid down all this paperwork over the table and they said, if you have knowingly bought fossils in from China, it's a $200,000 fine and five years jail. And I just, like, as you can imagine, well, guilty. Of course, I bought Chinese fossils in knowing they were Chinese fossils. They took my computer. They said they'd have it for a couple of days. They took my computer for three weeks. And I proceeded to more or less have an emotional breakdown at the injustice of it. I saw a barrister cost me a couple of thousand dollars to get a few pages of legal jargon saying legally they shouldn't be able to do this, but you'll have to be fighting QCs in um, the high court. This is the highest court in the land. And they said, and the legal advice was, if they look like they're going to lose, they'll run the court case out and send you bankrupt. He said, these guys don't lose. So basically I was told that they came in, stole my fossils, which were all legally bought. The head of Sydney Customs, I was on a first name talking basis to him. Oh, Lance, you're bringing in more of your Chinese fossils again. He wasn't even aware you couldn't bring Chinese fossils in. Like this is the sort of government we've got. that They did it to actually suck up a bit of Chinese butt in uh, trying to get a free trade deal. Like this is the sort sort of government we've got. It was Johnny Howard at the time. And he he did it to try and win a few brownie points, raiding innocent Australian homes, not putting it out through the airwaves that if you've got any China, and this is around the gum am amnesty time when you had to hand guns in. But uh, no, no mention of Chinese fossils. It was all kept secret, kept out of the papers. I tried to get in the papers to warn fellow Australians like, if you've got Chinese fossils, man, be careful, stash them, hide them. They're coming for them. And there was innocent people buying dinosaur eggs. You could actually buy a Chinese fossilised dinosaur egg 
a couple of hundred dollars from America, Hong Kong. I even bought some from New Zealand. Every other country around the world was allowed to have them except Australia. And they, and they actually devoted federal police to going door to door. And, and it was even happening at Sydney Airport. Anyone that tried to bring them through customs at, at the airports around Australia were getting their houses raided secretly by federal police for these Chinese fossils. Like, absolutely outrageous. Like I said, I, I had a mental breakdown over it. I, I just lost the plot. And um, at the injustice of it, you know, how they could legally steal from me from things that I legally bought in the country, paid my GST, paid my fumigation costs. And anyway, like I said, this all ties into the UFO story, don't worry. But um, just giving you a bit of background. So they killed my dream of uh, building a fossil museum. You put it that way. I thought, you know, they're going to come back and take my American fossils or, you know, other fossils I had from around the world. So that was the end of that dream. And the reason I was doing it is because there was no natural muse natural history museum in Australia. And I thought, the government doesn't provide it. Little old me's going to try and provide it to teach the kids. I went round to all the schools and, and, and all the local areas from Port Macquarie to Gloucester to Foster and all the teachers, oh, we'll bring our school buses there. Yeah, you know, it would be fantastic. You know, there's not many places around in the country to take the kids and that would be awesome. So, you know, I was so excited about this project. You've got no idea. And they just killed that dream. Killed, killed the website. I had a website, fossilsrocks.com. No bother looking at it now. It's gone. And they just killed my absolute love for natural history. Anyway, moving on. I, uh, with all this anger and that, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. And this is where the story gets real strange. And I actually laid down on the bed in the middle of the day, just that exhausted. I wasn't sleeping overnight, wasn't eating. And I just happened to fall asleep on the, the lounge. And then I had this vision. And that's the only way I can describe it, it's a vision. Because it wasn't like a dream. This was in full Technicolor. And what I saw was absolutely mind-boggling. It started off, I was flying through the air like an eagle, and then I flew over, uh, well, it looked like a wheel on the ground, a giant wheel, surrounded by circular gardens. Everything was such bright, beautiful colour. And the next minute, I'm inside this wheel, and it was actually, I was being shown a new governing system and a way to manage life. And it was amazing, to say the least. And what I saw was a debating arena around, I can go into all the details of the way the room looked. It was just incredible. These huge, big statues, eight big statues, each one, you know, a different amalgamation of life on the planet, all looking towards the centre of this wheel. And what was in there, they weren't politicians. They were representatives of all the different sectors of society like where the teachers voted in the teachers, the scientists voted in the scientists, the economists voted in the best economists to run the, the, the money in the land, to run the economy. The best environmentalists were in there. The elderly had representatives, the youth had representatives. And they all came together in this most beautiful manner where the laughter, the wisdom, just 
like it was the best show on the planet. That's how I describe it to people. It was the greatest show on the planet. When you when you turn on the television and see the way our parliament operates now, I can only describe it as primitive, embarrassing, no intelligent debate. One one party gets a, any sort of remotely half baked idea, the other the other side pulls it down, and ridicules it and tears it to pieces. Or like it's. I have trouble watching television at the best of times, but that parliament just does my head in. Like, it's just pathetic. And we'll get on to more of that later. But um, the, the way this governing system worked was just absolutely be a beautiful thing to watch. And on top of that, if that wasn't good enough, intelligent debate, solving problems so quickly and easily, with, were done with great humour and intelligence. It, it had the freedom where if somebody like you or me had a great idea for the nation, no doubt after it was scrutinised and thought worthy for the people, you could walk to the middle of this wheel where there was a the new emblem. I saw the new flag, believe it or not, and it was the most beautiful flag. I showed it to Aboriginal elders and different people. They said, oh, that's beautiful. Well, I could live under that flag. And there was a sun at the centre of it, and it was a, the blue sky, like our, the blue of our flag on the top half. The bottom half was black, which is the black, that, the void that we've come from. And in the middle was a, a, a band of green on the top and red on the bottom, uh, running horizontally through the, like, more or less, if you consider it a path to the sun. And that's where you had to walk, to walk to the centre of this debating arena. You had to walk up, you were given a choice, you could walk up the green path or the, the red path to get to the sun. And that's where you could give your great idea to the nation. And believe me, the audience in there was packed. There wasn't an empty seat in the house. And it was the most incredible show on the planet. Like this would have been, if, if this ever became reality, everybody would be watching our parliament work and loving it. And I'll, I'll get on to more of that later, but um, oh, it was incredible. And this is why I'm telling you this, because I know now, many, many years later and from other experiences, this was all shown to me by these ETs. Because literally a week before I had the vision is when this huge, big diamond-shaped rafts in the backyard. Okay, so it's, it's all related. And anyway, um, yeah, cut a long story short, uh, I started trying to relate this to Nina and, you know, this new governing system, and then I, it just sent me into a frenzy. I wanted to write this book. I had to write a book to describe it all and get it out to the world. It was like, okay, I found my mission in life. I've got to, I've got to get this in print and just give it out. I got giving them out freely, you know what I mean? It's, I, I stopped my electrical business. It was turning over 150000 a year, bang, don't give a damn about it anymore. I can't, I can't integrate into this society that I know is so sick and we'll get onto it. I know now it to be evil. And this is where it brought a lot of problems to me because um, not only did I write a book, I started to promote it. And I went to the New South Wales research, actually rang Mariana, the president of the UFO Research Society. And we met in Newcastle and she said, you've got to come down and, and talk about this in front of my group. 
and I did that and it was like a packed house and and I did another one at Campbelltown and um, but after that things got really bad like with government interference computer hacking uh, military helicopters uh, military planes flying over my house firing in some sort of like as I learned from research, I wanted to find out what it was. It was actually like a microwave technology, a microwave weapon that they fired into my house and blew up my electronics. Then I'm worried the family was going to get cancer and all this sort of stuff. Like it was, it was bad times, bad times. It, um, it's, uh, <coughs> oh, well, no, I'm onto that. Now I'm on that topic about the government harassment. I better stick with it because we're going to run out of time. And this is an important part of the story. Is it happened, uh, there was a huge big military helicopter hovering in the backyard. And, you know, the Tari coppers know me, they know I smoke a little bit of pot, I don't give a damn, I don't sell it or anything. And I had a few plants out there in the backyard and I th this helicopter was just hovering over the top of those bloody plants. And I thought, oh no, there goes my plants. And th they weren't interested in that because I got out there and they weren't looking at the plants. They were just looking at me with a bloody camera pointed at me. And then they flew off and I thought, oh, that was a bit weird. The next night, 9.30 PM, I'm in the backyard having a cigarette and I hear a sound like a locomotive coming and I'm in the country where it's just quiet. You know, you get the traffic out on the, on the road out the front, but. This is like sound I'd never heard before. It's this huge rumbling sound. And I was just like, what the hell is this? And then it came and when I saw it, it was directly over my head and it was a huge big plane, like a big passenger plane, like 747 size with big turbines. The strobe on the bottom of the fuselage lit up the, lit up the yard like daylight. And I thought, my God, it's coming in for a crash landing. It's, I thought it was gonna land in the, in the adjoining farm. And but as soon as it went over my house, it's, elevated and gone over the gum trees and it's just like what the hell like that had to be the maddest pilot you know in the country this is just weird anyway and like I said I, not only from getting the because it was so low like I'm talking clipping the gum trees like 25 foot above me 30 foot tops once again, could have just thrown a tennis ball and bounced it off the bottom of the fuselage. And um, went inside and said to Nina, did you hear that? She said, yeah. She said, I thought it was an earthquake. I said, no, it was a huge big plane just going over our house. The very next night, 9.30 PM on the knocker again, I'm inside the house this time, but I heard that rumble, that same rumble. And I thought, I said to Nina, it's that plane back again. I don't believe it. I've gone running out the backyard and I got straight out the back door just as the fuselage came over the house again in exactly the same spot, like within a meter or two, like the middle of the fuselage was directly over the, the middle of the house. And the same ugly feeling of this radiation type feeling. And, and then it's, it's like it did the night before, elevated again and took off all the cows or the dairy farmer joining us, all that, they were going crazy, all the dogs next door barking. It was just, you know, very strange. So night three, I'm waiting for this plane this time. 
I'm, I'm outside. And like I said, I had some meteorites and I had a perfect fist-sized meteorite, a Sakoti Allen meteorite from the, the Russian impact. You know, the one that uh, they thought was, went off like a nuclear bomb and flattened all the trees in, in Russia. I had, uh, oh, yeah. I had, yeah, I got some good specimens from that impact. So I've picked me a really good one to throw, like a fist-sized chunk. And I'd built a uh, two-storey cubby house for the kids in the backyard. So I climbed to the top of the cubby house and I would have literally been looking almost eye to eye if this pilot came in the, on the same trajectory as the two previous nights. And I was that furious. I was just going to throw this big lump of iron straight through the windscreen of this plane, believe it or not. That's how angry I was. And it didn't come. And I sat up in that cubby house till about 10 o'clock at night. And I thought, ah, it's not coming. So... I jumped down out of the cubby house, went inside. Just remember sitting on the recliner on the front of the television at 10.30 or so, I fell asleep. Then 12.30 comes around. I get woken up and Nina said, I'm going to bed now. And she was sleeping in uh, a different bed, different bedroom. And at the opposite side of the house and I got up because I'd had a couple of hours sleep, I'd sort of, I'd have to have some medicine before I go to bed every night for have a problem with the stomach, it's just like a laxative type thing I have to take every day. So I took that, had a glass of water and sort of wide awake. And I thought, oh, I'll go to bed anyway. So I walk into the bedroom. My son was actually on the, the double bed asleep. So I just laid down next to him. Only been laying down for literally five minutes. And the ensuite, uh, we got a motion detector light that, that turned on. I thought, that's strange, it's never turned on unless I actually walk into the ensuite. Anyway, it's turned on. And then on top of thinking that was strange, then all of a sudden I can hear and sense things all around my bed, my moving. I was just like, what's going on here? All the house is locked up. No, there can't be anybody in here. Nah, it's just probably an insect or something's crawled over the the sense the light sensor and just triggered the light, you know. Nah, nothing. As soon as the sensor light went off, it turned straight back on. And it did that three times. And by this stage, I'm propped up in bed, like ready for, you know, because I can sense and feel things all around the bed. And I'm on high alert, you know, like what's going on here? And I just happened to look at the digital clock right next to me head and it was 12.36. And then I literally just looked back to the ensuite and just looking around, looking for what's going on here and trying to figure out what was going on. Then I just happened to look back at the clock again and it was 1.52. And this is while I'm propped up in bed on high alert, this over an hour of time has just vanished. And that's when I've, I don't know if I said it out loud or just thought it, but I've gone, what the freak is going on here? And this is when I got attacked. I got levitated off the bed. It was like something out of The Exorcist, if you can, the closest thing I can imagine, where I was lifted, like still laying uh, parallel to the bed, but I was lifted about a metre off the bed thrashed around like a ragdoll. I'm an electrician and I felt 
some good electric shocks in my time. But this was more violent. This was a really bad energy. And on top of that, for the first time, I could feel an evil presence that I cannot describe to you. It was an overwhelming feeling of just pure evil. And anyway, I'm getting thrashed around like a rag doll in midair, looking back down at one stage at my son. He's fast asleep. I just thought, thank God it's not attacking him. And then I just put my focus back onto what is attacking me and there's nothing in the room and here I am getting violently ragdolled. And I literally thought I was, I was dying. I had this feeling like I was dying and then purely self-preservation, I don't know what made it happen, but I projected love at this evil. And as soon as I did that, I fell back to the bed, bounced out of bed and instantly felt like there was no one in the room anymore. Like it was just like that evil presence disappeared. No sensation that there was anybody in the room anymore. It was just like they're gone. And I walked out of the bedroom and here's Nina actually, you know, and this is at one fifty-two in the morning or, you know, five to two in the morning. And I just said, I just related to her what happened. I said, what are you doing? Up? She said, oh, I forgot to put, you know, a few dollars under the pillow for uh, the son, you know, because he'd lost a tooth that day. He had to do the tooth fairy thing. Sorry to any kids out there listening. The tooth fairy's real. And anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, she got up to put some coins under the pillow. So to this day, I, I didn't know if it was me projecting love at this evil or Nina getting up, turning the lights on that made these things disappear. But if I was to bet money on it, I think it was me projecting love because pure evil, that's the most repulsive thing to pure evil is love. And, um, because I was sleeping with my lights on and I, like, I, I like to consider myself fearless, but that really shook me up. I was sleeping with my lights on for, you know, a couple of weeks after that because I, I, I felt so defenseless. I couldn't ring the police. They'd think I was crazy. I couldn't, uh, no use with a gun. You know what I mean? Like, you, number one, you couldn't see them. Number two, their technology was too way advanced. But just to get to why I'm telling you this story is I gave two public speeches about a new governing system. I wasn't even really that interested in relating my UFO experiences. You know what I mean? Like people, have, I think, have sort of moved past, you know, the UFOs. We know that, you know, they're, they're off planet or they're in these underground bases that my friend was quite adamant about. I could tell you all about him. He had the best photographs in, in Australia. Um, yeah. Anyway, he was quite adamant that they went in to uh, these underground bases. And another friend, Damien Knott, who a lot of your viewers might be aware of, he's sort of a, a bit of a... Uh, he likes to think of himself as the guru of uh, ufology in Australia. But I befriended him and, and took him from Dunedoo, where he was living, to Tari, set him up in a house, bought him a bloody bed and give him my old lounge and set him up in a pad where he could film UFOs. And he, if all his best footage was filmed from that place, I set him up. Anyway, like I said, I just got to cut to the chase here. It's too much to, too much to share, quite frankly. But, um, and, and too easy to lose track of what I was talking about. 
but what the reason I'm sharing this about these the helicopter, the military helicopter, the military plane that was flying over the house. And then the third night, because I wasn't intimidated, they knew, they probably knew I was up there in my cubby house ready to throw a friggin' meteorite through their windscreen. That's, that's the sort of guy I am. I don't take a backward step. And um, so they attacked me with these demonic entities. And that's, I'm not a Christian, but I tell you what, these things were like demons. And they were trying to rip my soul from my body. And how do I know that? Well, when I was young, I used to astro travel and I used to feel this sensation that can only be likened to dying where you can feel every molecule in your body vibrating at an extremely high frequency. And I'd fight and fight to stop it because it scared the crap out of me. And nobody could explain to me what was happening like my parents because I was only young. And then my spirit would lift out of my body and then I'd just go walking around like a ghost. And, but I had to experience this sensation of like dying before I, my spirit would lift out. And that was the same sensation I felt, which I hadn't felt for, since a young kid, is they were trying to rip my soul out of my body, these demonic entities. And like I said, it shook me up, but you don't have to be Einstein to work out, okay, you've gone public, you're, you're trying to speak about a whole new governing system to heal the world. Government is trying to intimidate me. And then when that didn't work, demonic entities attacked me in the most vicious, well, frightful manner. And it, it, I've got to say, that did intimidate me, where I started questioning, well, I, I've got no defence against this stuff. You know, they can come back and kill me whenever they want. And it shook me up, I've got to say. Yeah, I think it's the scariest like, reality of it all because you've got no control over it. Yeah, but what it did teach me, like you said, you haven't got to be Einstein to work out that government is working with a demonic evil. I don't know if they were invisible bad aliens. I don't know if they were demons because I couldn't see them, but I could sense them and they tried to rip myself from my body. And the, the ragdolling when I was being elevated above the ground, like I said, it was like something out of the exorcist. It was violent. And it was, quite frankly, horrifying. I bet it was. And... I imagine it would have been. But, uh, but just on that, uh, did you like feel them physically like touching you? Like, is there something like grabbing you? Or was it sort of like a, a, no. a force type no. of thing? No, it was an energy force. Where, where it was like a huge magnet is the best way I'd describe it, where it felt like it was literally trying to pull my my soul, my very essence of life out of my body. And I just hate to think what that would have done. And whether it was fate or what, I don't know, but I've, I'd, I had read because I was up in a place, Lismore, um, and I saw this book on astral travel and I thought, oh, wow. Grabbed it and started reading it. So I thought, I'm going to buy this. And it explained for the first time ever exactly what happened to me when I was a young fella, you know, about this feeling of death and all that and how you, you have to do it. And But it, it, did, it did say um, if you take drugs, it, you, you won't be able to do it. You've got to be pure if you want to astral travel. And that's why it happened to me when I was young. You know, I'm being a young surfer with all the mates smoking pot and all that. What it does is it ties your ethereal body into your physical. And I tried in my 30s 
for three weeks doing all the things in this book, meditating, doing everything I could to get my, my spirit body out of my physical. And I finally did it after three weeks, but it was exactly like it said in the book. It was like I was drunk. I, when I finally pulled it out, I somersaulted through the air and then I couldn't, it wasn't like I was walking around like a ghost. It was like I was drunk and everything was, it wasn't a good sensation. So I never did it again. But with hindsight, it's like, well, maybe this is why I smoke pot. And it was all for a defense because my spirit is tied like glue into my physical body and these demons couldn't pull it out. So naturally I researched after that, you know, has, has this happened to anybody else? And sure enough, it has. And there's, there's cases where people have had, had their, their soul ripped from their body by these demon, demonic freaking things where they walk around like zombies after it or else they have a complete character transformation and they, it's like they've got a demon inside them. It's replaced with a demonic spirit. I know it's freaky stuff. But this is what I found from experience. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to relate anything out of books to you. I'm going to, I only relate life experiences that I can tell you 100% is fact, it's true. Whether you believe me or not, I don't care, but I'm, I'm only, I can only relate what I know to be true. And this, and, and Damien, I'll even tell you that from all his investigations, he said, this whole UFO phenomena is tied in with the paranormal, you know, with spirits and and demons and this sort of stuff. And, yeah, there's always been questions yeah. there on that. If it's always been a bit of a connection between the paranormal world, you know, the afterlife, sort of, you know, a bit of a mix between religions and stuff like that, whether it be exactly. demonic or angelic or whatever you want to sort of call them at the time. Yeah. And it sort of leads to yeah. a lot of questions, doesn't it? Like, are we mistaking these UFOs as a demonic entity from a religious sort of aspect or are they otherworldly beings from other planets in the universe. It just well, leaves so many questions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, I can answer, I can answer it for you, believe it or not only through an experience and well the you see this demonic attack happened after this experience that I'm about to relate now and I don't talk to this I wrote about I wrote briefly in my book about it um, but it's not it's something I'm not comfortable really sharing but in and I'll, I'll do it for your listeners and because it's all part of this story and and I thought all aliens were good. I actually called them gods after meeting them. But um, like they're, they're divine. And, and that's what I thought. But then after the attack, you know, a year or two later by these demonic entities, you know, there are good aliens and there are bad aliens and it runs right through the universe, good and evil. And even the Egyptians knew of it, you know, like they had their Ra, the sun god, and Amon was the god of darkness. And this is what my friend who took all those UFO photos, he was attacked by the men in black, like like given a warning that they were going to kill him if he kept on pursuing his uh, UFO footage, etc., and trying to get it out into the public. And they eventually did kill him through bone cancer. He was quite adamant that's what it was. They got to him. But, um, oh, yeah, <laughs> He had the most, like, on top of all his UFO photos, he had a photo of a reptilian energy where you could see the scales on this reptilian creature, the spines running down its back, its arms, its legs. Where its head was, was a big ball of white light, and it was coming out of his television. And I said, what, what are you, what's going on here, you know, coming out of your television? And he said, these that they can use our cabling networks like a way to travel into your house. I says, well, you know, and I, I must admit I was a bit sceptical, but he had the photo and this, and he, he never used digital cameras either. He, he was real anti-digital cameras. He said he prefers to use films so people can't say he faked it. Yeah. And it was, the most, it was the most incredible sequence of photos. He was sitting in his lounge room in Newcastle and, it was like his guardian angel, he said, said, quick, get up and get your camera because his television was flickering. He could feel this weird, bad energy. So he, he ran into his bedroom, got his camera, come back out and just started. He couldn't see anything, but he just started taking photos. First photos were, were these white lines of light all running through his house. Then this reptilian coming out of the television. Then the next photo was an actual transparent, spacecraft with windows on it and everything in his friggin lounge room like it you know that big that it took up his whole lounge room like absolutely incredible photographs and it's incredibly uh, strange too something like that oh yeah 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 and he was trying to warn me about the reptilians are bad and at that stage i i didn't even think you know oh, you know, like I must admit, I was very highly sceptical of reptilians. 
but uh, after you know the experiences of getting attacked and that, well, I don't I don't know what they were. I, I'm not going to blame the reptilians for what attacked me, because uh, Mariana, the head, the president of the UFO Research Society, said she'd had this reptilian that would sit on the end of a bed and stroke her arm and and was good. And she said to me, "There's good reptilians and there's bad ones." So. Yeah, who knows? It's a very, very, like I said, the old story of the rabbit holes. Those holes keep on deviating off in a million different tangents and you get lost down that rabbit hole, I tell you. Oh, don't do what? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's absolutely mind-blowing just thinking, like, I, I'm still trying to, like, grasp the concept of your mate there taking photos of his TV and, like, you know, having an image of a oh. reptilian coming through and then a spaceship yeah. as well is, like, What's going on? Oh, it's on incredible. There? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And 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 what sort of irks me is uh, Damien not... I gave what... I had the photograph at his place. And, um, and when we went our separate ways, which is I don't want to go into all that, but I told him to get out of Tari. And, uh, and I said, and I want that photograph of uh, Vo. His name was Vladimir, a Russian fella, but we just called him Vo. I said, and I want Vo's photograph of that reptilian too. And he said, I haven't got it, I haven't got it. And his girlfriend at the time, um, which is on a lot of the videos on YouTube with Damien, not, I think her name was Melinda or Melissa or something. She said, yeah, I've seen it, it's up there, you've got it. And Damien's going, no, 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 I haven't got it, I haven't got it. And he had it, because I know I left it there and she'd seen it, but he... He loved the photo that much that he didn't want to let it go. So, um, just a couple of questions for you. Um, so, uh, where's my thing? I can hear on. Sorry. Um, when you had the the uh, the crafts and that going over your house, and that um, did you have your neighbours happen to know or notice this at all, or pick up on what's going on? Did you happen to talk to them at all about it? No. Well, no. We were living in a farm, and the, the closest house was a fair way away, and I. I didn't even know them to tip quite frankly, so I didn't I didn't go and door knocking or anything. Yeah, fair but I, being being an electrician, I uh, I worked at a house that was one of the neighbours, and they actually I, I didn't even bring it up, but they said, "Oh, we had a huge UFO here recently, just in the backyard here." And um, but it, that, after describing it, it wasn't the same one. But the Manning Valley is a real hot spot. Not many people know, Damien knows, but, you know, uh, sort of the the UFO researchers know it's a hotspot, but it's sort of not real common knowledge. But, um, oh, yeah, I've, I've taken a lot of photos and video footage of UFOs in the Manning Valley. So when you had this, uh, the, the vision as well with the, the governments, um, you know, congregating for a, um, you know, like a bit of a communal sort of meeting or, you know, government meeting or whatever. Yeah. Did you sort of get like an insight of like what they sort of, like the the population looked like? Were they like sort of human looking or were they like the typical sort of aliens oh, yeah. or maybe like different no. species or all, all such? No, 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 no. It was all comprised of just people like you and me. But what I did notice was there was a, a healthy sprinkling of uh, Aboriginals in the, the Indigenous or First Nations, whatever you like to call them. They like to be called the Originals. And living in Taree, I'm good friends with a, a lot of uh, the Biripai tribe here. And, um, yeah, yeah, there was, like I said, there was a man and woman 
from each state to represent the, the First Nations people from each state. So I think in my book, I, it amounted to about 14 people or something, 16 Aboriginals in the 200 representatives of society. Okay, so the other, just the other quick point I'll make is uh, it was equal man and woman, 50% men, 50% women, representatives from all sectors of society. You know, police had representatives, you know, so we could solve the policing issues. The military even had representatives that, and this is the, the, be the beautiful part of this too, if, if not just the fact that we could finally have intelligent wise debate without party politics. So there was no parties like Liberal Labor, you know, Greens, Shooters Party, blah, 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 you know, fragmenting us. We were all one nation united, working together to solve the issues with the greatest intelligence, the greatest wisdom at our fingertips. Yeah, no self-interest or self-gains. Yeah, exactly. And when I woke up from this vision, my whole T-shirt was wet with tears, not from crying. They were tears of happiness from, I don't know if I was laughing while I was watching this vision or crying from happiness, but my whole shirt was wet because I experienced the most beautiful thing seeing humans working together in such a highly evolved manner and solving things like this is the problem. This governing system that we've got where they fight like cats and dogs and call each other names and that and lie, like Scott Morrison, the greatest lying bloody prime minister we've ever had, is a reflect, it reflects and permeates through society and this is what we've got. Like the legal system, the greatest pack of liars where lies prevail. Uh, the, all the the hostility, the name calling, the bullying, all this sort of stuff is a reflection of our primitive colonial governing system. And until we can put in an enlightened governing system that operates on love, respect, freedom of speech, transparency, like each person, each representative had a green and red light under their seat. That's how I was showing it was operated. So each issue, that was debated when it came time to vote. They could vote yes, green, red, no. Both lights illuminated, was undecided. And that's that was as simple as that. And like I said, it was the greatest show on earth, a beautiful thing. And believe me, if we could ever adopt something like that, which I know the powers to be, the elite will never allow because it takes away power from the corporations and big money and puts it in the hands of the people. That will, they will never allow it. They'll, they'll go down fighting, they'll start a war, they'll do anything. Like I said, if I've been treated like this for trying to bring this out into the public arena, and believe me, you'll, you'll never read it in the newspapers, you'll never see it on mainstream media because this is, they're not allowed to by the, by the people that control them. It's the last thing they want is people to control their destiny, people to fix all the problems that they created. You know, and you're anybody that thinks this government Labor, Liberal, any of them that can will fix all these million and one problems from the environment to cost of living to uh, our security threats, like trying to have a cold war with China. Like how insane is that? And the people like Scott Morrison and, and Dutton parading around like great warriors, like these men are bloody 
spineless jellyfish, you know, and starting a Cold War because oh, America will say this, like, come on, it infuriates me, it makes my blood boil. Yeah, so it's scary yeah. as well at the same time, thinking, you know, World War Three could be imminent any time. Yeah. yeah, well, the Chinese that I've met, and believe me, I've had, had some some incredible meetings with Chinese since a lot of this stuff. And um, they are the most beautiful people. And the way they carry on about the Communist Party, it's, their Communist Party despises billionaires. They're trying to stop all that. Their housing prices started going crazy like the West, so they tried to step in and stop that. Like, I'm not here to sing the praises. They've, I don't agree with the security things they're doing with their people. But they've got good reason, you know. They say if you're not a criminal, blah blah blah, and I understand the philosophy behind it. But they've they've bought their country out of poverty, and and given well 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 out well the West has spent billions on wars. They've been spending billions on infrastructure, and the Silk Road Initiative all through, like Indonesia, all through Asia, building up infrastructure for other countries. Like they're doing good. America, UK, Australia are actually the bad guys, and I hate to say that, and they're controlled by evil. Whether they know it or not, they are manipulated more than puppets. Our, our political leaders are muppets with an evil fist up them, and it, they are being controlled to the point that I don't even think they're aware of it because you've got to understand pure evil is the ultimate master of deception, and they have deceived everybody. They have even deceived the people that are... That, the people in power, like, like they can do anything. Like, trust me, these evil entities can do anything. But there are good ones here, and that's hopefully we'll get around to that in, in this podcast where I actually uh, met two aliens, and they are the good guys. And believe me, there's good guys here keeping an eye on things or it would be absolute pandemonium. Yeah, no, that's, and, that's fine, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can so, definitely leave that to another episode for sure, because like, it sounds like you got a lot to go on um, cover well, here. Uh, I got there's just so much to cover. Like I've written out just the brief points, and that covers two pages, and I'm only halfway through the first page. Like, how are we going for time? Yeah, look, we're getting pretty close to the end of the show there. So um, yeah, okay. do you have um, like, yeah, it is sort of um, incredible. Like what you're saying, like you know, we are getting to that point there where we're getting so um, dictated by the governments now. It, it is scary yeah. and like we're, you know, it was, oh, how can I explain this now? We were at like a sort of better time not so long ago, but now COVID's sort of come in. It's sort of like the turning point where it's sort of come into the dictatorship where it's taken away a lot of yeah, people's freedoms. Exactly. Yeah, it's been used as a controlling mechanism to destroy people's businesses, lives, suicides out of control. You know, like you can never trust government with statistics. And even this 90% vaccination rate, I honestly think is a lie. Just another government manipulation of statistics. Because nobody I know has been vaccinated. And nobody I know trusts the government. And we all do our independent research. And the fact that you can't even get ivermectin anymore that's been around for the last 30, 40 years, being rated as one of the safest drugs by the World Health Organization. And what's our evil government done? You can't even get it through your doctor. I went to my doctor trying to get some. And then they've taken it 
actually to the lying level of saying that it's made for horses. They give it to horses because it works so well on humans. Yeah. Like Af Africa, Africa, India, they, ca they couldn't afford these vaccines. So they've given people ivermectin because it literally cost, I think, six cents a dose oh, wow. versus, versus the big money of, of uh, these vaccines. And then the, the, the other drugs they give you when you end up in hospital cost thousands, where a six cent pill of ivermectin and you're cured. And it's ivermectin has stopped the spread of COVID in Africa. It stopped the spread of COVID in India, where one state in India, 250 million population, and they declared themselves COVID free. And they, they're completely unvaccinated. Yeah. Or to a such a level that it's it's negligible. It's all like, scary stuff. Well, it's um, how easily some things can be done, eh? And it sort of oh, changes the world. Like, but you know, the, just the power of control. Well, it's it's these corporations, and now one of the most powerful corporations in the world's Pfizer and uh, Johnson and Johnson and Moderna, AstraZeneca. You know they're. They've gone from overnight from being billionaires to trillionaires and and they spend a lot of money. I was only looking at something last night. They spent it over they spent over two hundred and fifty million lobbying American politicians to 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 get all these drugs put through so quickly and and without scrutiny, um suppression of the facts you know, of the efficacy of, of the vaccinations and mainstream media has to be held accountable. What they've done is, well, they, they need to be investigated and taken to court. The way they've manipulated the truth and, and tried to put the whole country into a state of fear and panic over a virus with a 99.9% survival rate, it's insane. And now we've got the influenza has disappeared. Where's the influenza gone? Because the same amount of people that were dying of influenza are now dying of COVID, just mainly the elderly and people with other health problems. And I'm not here to say that COVID's not a real disease. I, th I think it is. But it's not that bad that you destroy people's lives, close their businesses down, make it compulsory law that everybody has to wear. You know, people around here are driving around in their cars with masks on, walking up the street with masks on. There's no proof that, you know, you can catch COVID outdoors. It's an indoor thing. And like, they've got people in a complete state of fear and now they're trying to introduce Omicron, the new variant, you know, and stock markets are crashing. Like, this is what they want. And this is the part of this evil agenda of this. And if, if you want to research it, there's a lot of stuff on the internet now about this secret Luciferian society, which they call the Cabal, which are the shadow government that control governments, control the big corporations, and their agenda is all about one world government, which we have to stop, one world currency, the Great Reset, which you would have heard of. Um, it's and And then you can take it a step further and and they've been open about it, like Gates and the rest of them. They've actually been open enough to even admit they ne that we need to depopulate the world down to 500 million people. 
and when you see the vaccination rates, vaccination, oh yeah, it's written in stone in a monument that apparently the Freemasons built it. But uh, yeah, they haven't kept it secret that, that, you know, for the sake of the environment, we need to depopulate the world. And it's, which, you know, we're running it around 8 billion people on the planet, you know, take 80% of that or, or more, which is the vaccination rates and it pushes it down to, uh, pushes it down to that 500 mil, which they can control easily. Yeah. Look, I wouldn't doubt it, like, but I'll try not to dabble too much under the, uh, the world politics and that, but, um, I understand what you're saying though. Like there's a lot of theories and conspiracies out there that, you know, the world is overpopulated and they need to try and do a reset sort of stuff. I have heard theories though where the, uh, the world has had multiple resets, um, you know, from previous, uh, species like, you know, ourselves, like, you know, um, trying to think what they call them now. Uh, oh, can't even think of what they used to call them now. Like, you know, people that have been before our time, before we had the big reset sort of thing, you know. Okay. Oh, well, you can take it back to Roman. You can take it back to Roman times. I, for my book, I researched how the Roman government used to work, and as you know, the Romans invaded England, yeah. and gave them their governing system. And the Westminster system is actually slightly tweaked from the Roman system of governing with the House, the Senate, yeah, and, you know, and the and the commoners. And this is the thing: we suffer a primitive governing system that was designed for war and to control people and tax the crap out of them. Yep. Like we shouldn't be paying taxes, only only the rich corporations and that. And, and, and that we plenty of money to go around if used properly, not being wasted, you know, like on the military, like honestly, we don't even need a military if we run the country properly where other nations respect and love us. And uh, the, the worst scenario is would you you would have a, like a reserve force of people where everyone's taught to fire a gun if any, anyone's silly enough to invade us. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I'm really, you know, anti-aggression, anti-war, and this is what the aliens want too. They don't want us with military and weapons and nuclear arms and pointing nukes at each other. It's primitive and we have it to is. evolve quickly we have to evolve quickly because just before i started talking to you i was just reading up that russia has basically warned the west to they'll obliterate them if they if they keep on hassling russia you know what i mean and we've got our warships in the south china sea like what's australian warships doing in the south china sea for god's sake and has been for years like they're lucky the chinese are so tolerant imagine how Americans would be if it was Chinese warships off their coast. Oh, yeah, they'd be <laughs> shooting boards, asking questions later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, this world is really screwed up. It is. And we're, yeah. just, we're just lucky the Chinese are a lot bloody smarter than the Americans. And, oh, geez, I could tell you some stuff, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> it's, it's, I've said this in the past too. Like, uh, you would have heard, like, where we've had ships, like, alien crafts and that interfering with nuclear silos and that and shutting down yes. launches and stuff like that. And, like, Correct. I, I imagine they'd be continuing to do that sort of stuff, you know. It, and it's, I'm sort of glad that they have been doing that and there's reports of this physically happening. And yeah, exactly. know, otherwise, we would have been having nuclear wars and, you know, right now the Earth will be recovering from a uh, nuclear winter. 
and we've oh, nothing sure. left to us. No, I, I think the only thing that's been keeping these idiots in line is the fact that they know these UFOs are there and can shut them down, and it's the good aliens that have kept this kept this planet intact. Yeah, you know what I mean. On the same hand, you've got the evil side that that it's it's like a drug to them. This is how it was explained to me. Is it's it's like a drug to these alien evil aliens, and they get off on death, torture, rape, murder, all the bad things, all the really bad stuff. They love it. That's what they live for. And and that's the way the world's been for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. Like we have been controlled by evil forces. And we're getting to the point now where there's going to be like, like I said, I'm not Christian, but they got it right. There's a, there's a great a great conflict coming up between good and evil, but we, the humans, have to be the good. You know what I mean? You can't rely on aliens to save us. It shouldn't be that way. We should be able to be wise enough to see the evil for what it is and rise up against it and unite, rise up and unite and demand a loving, intelligent governing system that will eradicate corruption, the threat of war, all the bad things that we fear and... And, and, the, and more importantly, the decimation of our planet, whether it's through nuclear war or all the toxic waste that we pump into the oceans on our land, poisoning the skies. Like, that doesn't anybody think of the countless generations to come? Our, our sun's going to keep burning for 5 billion years. That's a lot of generations. Yeah. Like, we have to think about the people of the future and not live like it's some mindless party here where we just consume, where we pollute and, and give no regard to tomorrow. Like it's, it's criminally insane, it's psychopathic, and it's only because we're run by psychopathic entities, and that's the bottom line. And like I said, I could, I could have taken your whole hour up just talking about UFO sightings, but we've moved beyond that now, and we're running out of time. People have to unite and rise up. And you know what I mean? People will be watching you from the, the dark side, no doubt, this podcast. They, they monitor everything, you know, and I've just put a target back on myself, but <laughs> I don't care. This is too important. People have to wake up and the time has to come for solution. Every, I'm sick of hearing people bitch and whine about all the problems but not offer a solution or not work for a solution. And the one solution is a new governing system that will bathe society in a new white light of love, compassion, understanding, abundance, where nobody has to be without, like the, the idea of working your life away to put a roof over your head. Like it's insanity. It is insanity. It's psychotic. And, and these idiot rulers allow all this crap to happen because we're not run by intelligent people. We're run by ex-lawyers. All these people, you would do your investigations through the Liberal and Labor Party and see how many are ex-lawyers. The most out-of-touch, ego-driven, bloody out-of-touch people on the planet. Like one of my favourite movies is Jim Carrey's Liar Liar. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Great movie. Great movie, and there's so much truth in that that highlights how the whole legal system works. Oh, yeah. Where they're 
they're, they're polished liars. And that's why they take ex-lawyers to become our prime ministers and, and government ministers, because they're well-polished liars. And they keep saying the same lie over, and all the gullible bloody people believe it. It's hard to, to like find, pick the truth, really. Oh, I, I can't fathom how primitive a system, how primitive a society, how primitive a world we live in, and we have to evolve soon or we're, we're going to lose everything. And that's, that's the bottom line, and that's the reality of the situation. We have to unite and rise. I've got a website, www.earthfixnow.com one word, earthfixnow.com. Please check it out. Read the dice link about, you'll see there about the suggestion for the new governing system, how it's, how it's, um, how I suggest it's uh, compromised by the, not compromised, uh, made up of the thir 30 sectors of society, approximately 30 sectors. I'd love people's input um, to how we can improve it, but, it's no use uh, using the email address on that website because I can't get to my computer because that's up at where my laptop is. So uh, it hasn't been amended for 18 months, but you know, it's still as fresh as the day I put it up 18 months ago. And it's, and it's all there. Um, I've got a, something that I can amend and that's is called the Australian Liberation Movement. And that's on Facebook. I've only got 176 members, but so anybody out there, I'd love you to join the Australian Liberation Movement where we can start growing and hopefully one day amass enough people to get break through this media wall of silence and say to people out there, we do have an option, a whole new governing system, a whole new way to, to transform our lives and take us to the future safely, together, united, not fragmented, you know, the old divide and conquer, it works beautiful. We're that divided. I want to see a united, strong, intelligent country, Australia. And uh, and I think the movement has to start here. America's too far gone. England's too far gone. And I think Australia's perfectly poised to actually pull something like this off and show the world, not by telling them or by military takeovers the way that you know, the West likes to operate, like the uh, the imperial mentality of, you know, take over another country, whether by financial takeover or military. You know, those days have to go and teach other countries just by living and the, the, they'll all want to see the way we conduct business and when they see the way we live and the way we work together and we're a peaceful, loving nation, can you imagine the respect that would garner? And once again, Australians could be respected because I tell you now, these governments are destroying what little respect they had for Aussies. We, once we could travel and be respected, now we're just considered like Americans, you know what I mean? Treated with suspicion and, you know, people like Scott Morrison, a proven liar, you know, like, like what they did with the sub deal and Macron, you know, saying he doesn't, know, he doesn't think he's a liar, he knows he's a liar. You know, is this the sort of country we want? Absolutely not. And sort of um, like you're saying, like yeah, we are sort of on that same path now. Um, if you would have been listening, I don't know how true it is, but the world is sort of trying to get together to try and change the world for like you know better generations and such um, with the economies and you know the 
global warming and all sorts of stuff there. Like, I, I believe there is something going on there. And No, I, I keep my eye on it. There's nothing more than just another political party that will never get power. Like you've got all these new political parties popping up now, Australia One, United Australia. But what they don't even understand is the two-party political system where their preferences have to go to Labor or Liberal. So it's always going to be Labor or Liberal in power. Oh, yeah, always. And, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, and, and, and at the end of the day, they're still operating in a system that is corrupt. So... I haven't heard of anybody around the world talking about a new enlightened governing system. Nowhere, and I believe me, I check it out. There's one thing that I found was called the Venus Project, and he put forward a whole new way to govern and live together peacefully, you know. And it, it was a it was a good system, but it's got a lot of flaws, and I don't agree with a lot of stuff. And I don't expect people to agree with me if they take the time to get onto the website earthfixnow.com and but just read what I was put forward there and trust me, it's come from above. Like I'm just a, I was merely a conduit for this information and yeah, I've got a lot more interesting stuff I can share, but we might have to do that another time, Anthony. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. It sort of makes you wonder like um, with the, these beings or forces or whatever you want to call them of reaching out to random people around the world. Like why wouldn't they reach out directly to the powers to be at the time. Like, you know, go and tell our Prime Minister or the President of America, going, Oi, you need to go and fix your shit. Like, sort your shit out. And Well, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm living, <laughs> well, I'm living proof. I've tried to. I've written to politicians and all that saying, is there any chance we could actually discuss a better, a better governing system, a more highly evolved governing system? And guess what happened to me? I got harassed with military might. Just little old me. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you, you try, they're trying to reach out to the, to the little guys who are not going to be taken seriously. And like, you, you can try and do yeah. as much of organization, uh, organizing as you possibly can, like, you know, to get a heap of people together and try and, like, you know, um, do forums and speeches and, you know, um, stuff oh, like that. But I just I... don't think it's going to be as effective unless these powers to be to go and just go directly to the highest source and just go pull your finger out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love nothing better than, uh, you know, aliens to land on the bloody parliament steps and say, okay, party's over. You've, you've done enough damage. Yeah. This is the way it's, it's going to be. But from my understanding, it, they can't do that. They have to allow natural evolution to happen, even though they know what's happening here is evil. We have to wake up ourselves. It's up to us. You know, it's just like when you're given something, it's not the same as if you've had to do it yourself and learn there through the mistakes. Like we've been making these mistakes for thousands of years and it, through history and it, what's happening right here, right now, if people aren't smart enough to wake up, well, you know, maybe we don't deserve to, to have this planet and, you know, maybe we'll be superseded by a new hybrid race, which is what they seem to be working on. Yeah. I've heard much of that as well. So, yeah, oh, well, my, something coming. Yeah, well, my, well, my mate, that um, he's the, the one that died of bone cancer, that had all these incredible photographs, all oh, the things that happened to him. Like he was pulled up in a beam of light and threatened to not go near this underground base out west of Tari, or they'd kill him. And he said it was spoken in a, a really poshy English accent, of all things. That, that's what he couldn't believe. Strange. 
but, but and down the back of his farm, he actually walked around the corner because they live right out west where you can still fire guns. He walked around the corner and there was a a cow that had been disemboweled, no blood. It, it was a, the classic mutilation, and the aliens were still there, working oh. on this thing. And he shot he, he shot his gun at them, and um, and he's found skulls that were perfectly like they were laser cut in half, where you could put them on a glass table and. They were perfectly cut. And, yeah, there are cattle mutilations all the time out west of here that, you know, no one even knows about. Yeah. It's all kept us. That doesn't just happen in America. And, and he, 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 like they said, this guy was really well-researched, and he said the reason they, they, they use these cows, uh, sex organs, is because it's one of the closest to humans. They work perfectly. They, they hybridise these... Uh, these, well, whatever you want to call them, the hybrids in, in these cow uteruses. Yeah, okay, that's yeah, that's certainly out there. It's a good theory, though. It would uh, make a bit of a bit of sense under why these mutilations uh, mutilations are happening. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, that's what I thought when he told me. I said, well, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, mate. Well, I think we we'll have to end it there, mate, because we've gone well over time now. But. Um, Definitely going to get you back on the show there at some point there, mate, whenever you feel ready. and If I'm still them. alive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll try and get you in before they um, come and hunt you down. So, um, great. But, mate, Been thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. It's been absolutely great having you on. Well, I'm glad I did now. As you know, I was debating whether I should share this or not, but I, I feel better. I have a good bit, of, a little bit off my chest. And I hope, you know, you said you've got 1,500 uh, viewers out there and I, I hope they enjoy it. And, maybe connected a few dots for some of them oh mate definitely it sort of raised a few questions for me there going geez like this thing's sort of happening like i'm getting a lot of people coming in with these same different theories and if the like you guys aren't all talking together at the same time they're going hey let's go and put this together and make this a thing well then you're doing a good job but at this point you got no connections whatsoever and you're coming out with the same sort of theories and concepts and going ons but so yeah there's definitely something going on around this world that people are getting an idea of anyway yeah well one <laughs> one positive way to look at it is anybody that said oh there's no mysteries i'll tell you what there are more mysteries than you can poke a stick at in this world and which is a beautiful thing yeah more and mysteries than truth yeah yeah for sure oh yeah yeah more lies than truth for sure yeah mate well thank you very much for coming on the show mate been absolutely fantastic having you on and i'll definitely get in touch with you again mate and we'll try and get you on the go for this uh, second half so All right. yeah, mate, thank you very cheers, much for Anthony. Cheers. cheers brother Thanks, take care ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 